It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Carolina Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? And welcome back, finally, after a long period, to the Locked On Panthers podcast. I'm Bill Rossetti of PanthersWire.com and BengalsWire.com now. And first, I obviously got to truly apologize for having no anything whatsoever for the last couple of months. Uh, Things just got really hectic, and I just ended up kind of fading away a little bit, unfortunately. So I I do apologize. You know, I I definitely regret letting things get too much in the way and kind of letting this get on the back burner, but I definitely wanted to come back and try to jump back into this, and hopefully you guys are – willing to come back and if not well that's quite all right but if you do i I definitely appreciate it but um you know it's it's really all on me there's really yeah i'm not really going to sit here and make excuses i just i I fumbled the ball i fumbled the ball at the goal line and uh the other team took it all the way for a touchdown so to speak so but gotta try to get back into this and hopefully get better moving forward and have some fun with it so uh we're going to do what we can to try to get caught up. Obviously, a lot has happened recently with the Carolina Panthers, uh, obviously, since we last talked. They did reach the playoffs, of course, got to 11-5, but were ousted by the New Orleans Saints after getting swept three times, a three-game sweep uh, by the New Orleans Saints. So they effectively advanced to the League Championship Series if this was uh, baseball. <laughs> Uh, but it was, in, overall, it was a good season for the Panthers. Um, you know, obviously, there are things left on the table. Uh, they definitely played a lot better. It was probably their best showing against the Saints of the three the three games. But in the end, the Saints really just made more plays overall as they had the first two, first two games in the regular season. The Saints just made more plays. The offense for the Panthers was stagnant a little bit again, as it had the first couple times, and ultimately that was uh, that was their undoing. So the Saints, of course, advanced to the divisional round where they lost to the Vikings in that epic finish, thanks to the missed tackle by Marcus Williams. Um, but it all culminated, of course, with the Philadelphia Eagles finally winning the Super Bowl, beating the New England Patriots 41-33. In Super Bowl 52, uh, it was definitely a long time coming and a, a very exciting game. But now, of course, begins the road to 2018 and the road to Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, Georgia. And certainly the Panthers going to do all they can. And we'll definitely get into that as far as draft tracking and free agency and all that good stuff. You know, looking at our Panthers free agents, looking at... Uh, 
other teams free agents of course and doing doing what they can and we'll look into to see what they can do to get to Philadelphia's level and maybe contend for Super Bowl 53. But certainly too one of the big stories of course has come off the field and that of course is the ongoing sale right now of the Carolina Panthers of course going back the uh, the sexual allegations that came up against soon to be former Panthers owner Jerry Richardson who of course announced he was putting his team up for sale and a report actually just came out yesterday from the Charlotte Observer, Jordan Rodriguez and Catherine Peralta co-wrote this article about the first serious bidder for the Carolina Panthers. It is a wealthy South Carolina businessman named Ben Navarro um, is actively exploring a bid. You know, I'll read right from the article. I quote the article, a wealthy South Carolina businessman named Ben Navarro is actively exploring a bid to buy the Carolina Panthers. Multiple sources familiar with the matter told the observer. Uh, again, obviously the investigations are still ongoing as far as Jerry Richardson, but you know, the big story of course is there will be a new owner. And of course, a lot of speculation is now coming up as far as, is the team going to move or what's going to happen with new ownership? Um, but at least here, if in terms of this first, um, this first bid or first, however you want to say it, first serious candidate, we'll say, um, you would have to think they would stay in Charlotte if, and again, it's probably going to be a while before we have any kind of sale or anything like that. But at least the first serious candidate being from South Carolina would obviously be a good um, – it would increase the chances that the Panthers would stay in Carolina. And you know, we, we know that Carolina is a – or the Carolinas, and especially the city of Charlotte, is definitely a, a good market – you know, their fan base is definitely one of the the best in sports. And we're not just talking the Panthers in the NFL. You've also got the Charlotte Hornets in the NBA and even just in the Carolinas in general. Carolina Hurricanes have been a pretty good market in the NHL. So there, there's, definitely, there's definitely value there. So whoever the new owner is of the Panthers, you would have to hope that they keep the team in Carolina and certainly um, this would be a good, a good, uh, a good indication. Should this candidate be, um, should this candidate be seriously involved um, a little more from the observer report, just kind of talks more about Navarro. He heads Sherman financial group, which is a Charleston, Charleston based debt collection firm. So, you know, obviously, again, wealthy, wealthy businessman for sure. And it says the report also says that his family's his family has a deep tie in uh, with sports. Um, he's actually the son of former college football coach Frank Navarro, who coached at Princeton and Columbia. 
and Ben's do- oldest daughter, Emma, plays tennis in South Carolina and actually committed to play at Duke. So definitely a, definitely a sports-oriented family, but obviously a stepping in, into the NFL is certainly a big, uh, a big step. But we've certainly seen how, you know, if, if you're successful as an NFL owner, obviously how lucrative it can be. It's certainly a very challenging scenario, but or a challenging venture. But obviously, if you do things right, like say, look at Jeffrey Lure with the Eagles just won the Super Bowl, or Robert Kraft with the Patriots. You know, you do it right, and the rewards can be astronomical so obviously we'll be keeping an eye on the sale here of the carolina panthers in the coming weeks months however long it takes for this to pan out if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, some other stories that have been popping up lately, uh, and another not-so-good story that popped up, and that, of course, was the investigation now into interim general manager Marty Herney, who has now had harassment allegations against him in in terms of his ex-wife. Um, you know, recent blurb on Roto World from, again, Jordan Rodriguez, who, of course, is a fantastic reporter for the Charlotte Observer, you know, would like to try to get her on the podcast here someday. Uh, she reported that the investigation into Herney could wrap up soon. And, of course, is, and now his lawyers coming out saying that this is fiction, as they called it. And this, of course, is in the midst of the Panthers searching for a general manager. Herney, of course, was the interim general manager after Dave Gettleman was fired, and of course, Gettleman now general manager of the New York Giants. Herney is now on administrative leave as the investigation is ongoing, so, you know, obviously, and and I'm no lawyer expert here. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, he's saying one thing and this, that, and the other thing. Like, I'm not going to begin to pretend that I know legalese or what's going on. Obviously, it's not a good look for Herney, especially in today's world where you're seeing sexual harassment uh, allegations really popping up a lot. So, you know, it's just a tough time. And so, and also in that same in that same wind, as far as the search for the general manager, um, this came about a week ago from Jason Lockin Four of CBS Sports. He th- he believes the Panthers are going to hire an outside candidate for their general manager position. 
they've interviewed guys like 49ers executive Martin Mayhew, Texans assistant GM Jamie Ray III, and Bills executive Lake Dawson. Um, so again, that'll, that'll be a story we'll be following. Um, and again, obviously the sexual harassment allegations is a more serious issue than the general manager search. So it's, it's just a lot of things that we're going to have to have to keep an eye on uh, as far as all that goes. Uh, but certainly, certainly a lot of stuff on the field. Um, again, just kind of scrolling. And again, like I, you know, I'm using Rotor World just to kind of get caught up. So have an idea of what's going on. Uh, so we'll talk about some of the players too, some of the stories that came out there. Like, for example, the Curtis Samuel story that came out recently, the fact that um, it sounded like his injury that he suffered during last season was more serious than initially thought. As it turns out, he needed surgery to repair both a broken bone and ligament damage. We thought it was just a broken bone or a broken ankle. Turned out he also had ligament damage. And, um, you know, the fact that we're finding this now in February, you know, hopefully he'll be back for training camp. Um, but it's certainly not a good look for, you know, especially the fact that injuries had already derailed his rookie season. So you have to think now, is wide receiver again a need in the draft? And that's certainly, you know, again, go wide receiver is that a big need and that's certainly one of the positions we'll be talking about as far as the draft goes and there's certainly a lot of very good uh draft prospects i even wrote an article the other day about some tall wide receivers kind of comparing to the calvin benjamin devin funches type deal you know those tall wide receivers brought up guys like auden tate who's about six four Alan Lazard, who's around 6'4", Jaleel Scott, who I think is about 6'3", 6'4". So these guys have some size, and we'll certainly get a little more in-depth with them as the draft process goes. Uh, Tate and, and I'll give some quick thoughts here. Tate and Scott are definitely two of the more intriguing prospects in this class scott's a guy i was able to see at the senior bowl um, because i was actually down in mobile for the senior bowl so i got to see scott a little bit in drills and he just looked so smooth he really did like his his breaking breaking of his routes his cutting you know all that good stuff just looked so smooth um and of course if you followed college football you know that he was one of the big reasons why New Mexico State has had such a successful season and why they were able to earn an invitation to a bowl and ultimately win their bowl game for the first time in almost 60 years. Uh, I believe 1960, they said, was the last time that New Mexico State had played in the bowl game. And of course, they played in the Arizona Bowl this past season, beating Utah State. So good for the Aggies. And again, Scott was a, a big reason for that. A lot of places I've been seeing seem to have them kind of in the mid-rounds. So I, th I think that would definitely be a good value for him. And then 
Tate's another guy. I've heard people like really lament about his route running. And remember, this was a down season for Florida State. You know, DeAndre Francois got injured in the season opener against Alabama, and the Seminoles were just absolutely embarrassed by the tide. Uh, and things just kind of snowballed from them. It took they had to wait until their final game against Louisiana Monroe in a game that was postponed from September because of the hurricane. Um, they had to win that game on the final week of the season just to become bowl eligible. That's how big of a down year it was for Florida State. And, of course, now Jimbo Fisher left Florida State. He is now head coach at Texas A&M. I believe Willie Taggart came from Oregon to take over for to take over for Fisher at Florida State. But, um, you know, again, definitely one of the bright spots of the Florida State season was Auden Tate. So for a guy you'll probably get in the second, maybe third round, you definitely got to like the prospects there. So again, wide receiver is definitely a position we'll be talking about, both in terms of the draft and free agency, because I also did a piece over at Panthers Wire talking a little bit about Sammy Watkins and the chances that the Panthers would get him. I did say it was low, though, because I think the Rams end up franchising Sammy Watkins, uh, but it's always nice to kind of look at possibilities, especially, you know, same with like mock drafts, which I also just started recently doing daily mock drafts for the Bengals and the Panthers. So that'll be something I could share with you guys here on the podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But over, overall, it's been certainly a whirlwind of a season. It's a whirlwind of an offseason as well, too, now uh, for the Carolina Panthers. But, um, you know, things are so, certainly looking up. Ron Rivera got an extension. You know, a lot of their core players are still intact. Obviously, one of their core players from this season now is set to hit free agency. That's Andrew Norwell. And chances are, I have a feeling he's probably going to end up being priced out of the Panthers range. I don't think, because he'll certainly be one of the uh, highly regarded free agent linemen. So I've, I have a hard time believing that Norwell is going to come back to the uh, to the Carolina Panthers. And just taking a look quick at their cap space using SpotRack, uh, $178 million for the 2018 cap. They've got about $2.7 million in rollover. So, and their total right now at the top 51 is about... 165. So they're going to have about 15 million in uh, in cap space to work with. Uh, but you also a lot about um, 
about eight million for their projected draft picks. So that would bring them to about say seven million. But obviously, some cuts are going to be made, or some guys that are free agents likely won't won't resign. Uh, a guy like Sh- uh, I was going to say Shaq Thompson, but that's not Star Lotulele is probably a guy that will not be coming back to the Panthers. You know, K1 Short, of course, has that big contract, and he's been the star, uh, no pun intended. But um, Star is going to be a, a guy I think the Panthers will let walk and maybe dip into maybe even the draft because there's some good draft prospects as well. Even some of the mock drafts that I've done, I've been able to get guys like Puna Ford late or a couple of the NC State guys like B.J. Hill, Contavious Street. So there's some defensive tackles that I think the Panthers can look at, look at late in the draft to kind of restock that that depth at defensive tackle. But, uh, you know, Charles Johnson's another guy that probably won't come back. So they're definitely going to have to restock there. And I think they need some young young guys there at edge rusher as well. Uh, again, kind of going back to the draft, I've looked at late-round guys such as Kylie Fitz of Utah or Kamoko Ture of Rutgers, Andrew Brown of Virginia as a versatile defensive lineman. Uh, even the higher guys, like in the first round, you've got uh, Arden Key of LSU. You've got Marcus Davenport of Texas San Antonio. I've got Sam Hubbard of Ohio State. So there's a lot of options that the Panthers can go with as far as getting that young edge talent. So you're probably not going to see Charles Johnson back. You're probably not going to see Julius Peppers back. So the defensive line rotation is probably going to look a lot different than it did in 2017. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because I am a fan of a lot of these players that I just mentioned. Um, you know, Davenport was obviously the flashy player at the start of this draft process. Going into the Senior Bowl, a lot of people pegged him as kind of a top 15 guy. I didn't buy into the top 15. Um, I felt he was probably maybe a first-round pick. I definitely could have bought into that buzz, but I wasn't buying the top 15 talk at the time. And especially as the... The Senior Bowl week went on. He got better, but he started off pretty slow. Um, I, I would go as far as say he kind of got dominated by some of the linemen, especially the small school linemen. A guy like Alex Kappa really held his own against Davenport. It didn't. It took until about day three of the of the Senior Bowl practices for Davenport to really start to come on, and then he, he did pretty well in the game too. Now, granted. The game is pretty limited. You can't do much, especially on defense. Um, but in fact, I even got a chance to talk quick with Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network. I ran into him on the field, got to talk to him a little bit. And Davenport was a name that he brought up. You know, he said day, day three was Davenport's coming out party. So, and the talent's there. Like, you really talk to anybody, the talent's there. So you bring in a guy like Davenport, doesn't have to be the the main guy. He, he can be part of the rotation, as the Panthers have continued to done, have continued to do, I should say, sorry. So 
Davenport is definitely a guy that I could see fitting with the Panthers. And I would not have a problem with the Panthers taking him at number 24. And again, Sam Hubbard's kind of the same way. I mean, there's definitely a lot of options that the Panthers can go with in terms of edge edge play. Or I, or I shouldn't. I'm sorry. Let me let me back up. Um, what I meant, what I wanted to say was, there's a lot of options they could go position-wise, not necessarily edge, but position-wise. Um, offensive tackle, uh, guard. There's there's a couple guards I think are worthy of that pick. Um, Namely, Billy Price, who's kind of a versatile lineman. He's played both center and guard at Ohio State. Isaiah Wynn is a mauler at guard out of Virginia. So if, if the Panthers want to go that route with that with the first pick, there's a couple names to keep an eye on. Tackle. I know a lot of people aren't fond of them going after a tackle round one. But if they do, look for names like Mike McGlinchey, Connor Williams are some of the top guys. Maybe Brian O'Neill out of Pittsburgh. So a couple names there. Wide receiver, if they're still on the board, Calvin Ridley and Cortland Sutton. Though I think those are also guys that could maybe make their way into the top 10 because you've got teams like Chicago needs a wide receiver. San Francisco can use a wide receiver, and they're sitting in there in that top 10. Um, but then you go a little later in the draft. I mentioned Auden Tate. Um, and a couple other guys I mentioned, even some of the smaller guys. I'm a fan of Deshaun Hamilton. I think he's a guy that can really do it all. He was a great route runner at the senior bowl. Uh, DJ Chark is an intriguing option. Uh, DJ Moore of Maryland is someone to consider. So there's a couple guys to look at as far as wide receivers. Again, we talked uh, edge. Safety is a possibility. Cornerback. Uh, safety, you're looking at guys. I don't know if he's going to be there. They might have to trade up for him, but Derwin James of Florida State is obviously one of the top guys. Um, you know, you, you could talk Mika Fitzpatrick, but there's definitely been a lot of talk just in terms of what position is he. Is he a cornerback? Is he a safety? Uh, and I don't, even, I don't even know if he's going to be there. Um, again, so... James is probably one of the top guys. Middle round guys I kind of like, though. Uh, Quinn Blanding of Virginia. Uh, I like Kaiser White of West Virginia. So there's a couple guys there if they don't want to go safety round one. Um, and again, I mentioned cornerback. You've got um, you've got Denzel Ward of Ohio State. Is a uh, is a possibility. Uh, Josh Jackson of Iowa, Mike Mike Hughes of Central Florida is another guy that I find really intriguing because Hughes was a guy that was very versatile for the quote-unquote national champion uh, Central Florida team. And obviously, if you've seen the story, you know why I'm using the quotes for Central Florida, but... Um, Hughes was one of the top defenders for Central Florida, a very good corner, and he also was a one of the top returners, I think not just for Central Florida, but I think at the conference as well. He was he, uh, he really shined there. So a guy like Hughes would uh, certainly help the depth chart at the cornerback position, but also really 
take some pressure off Christian McCaffrey because it was it would allow the Panthers to take McCaffrey off the punt return or at least not use him as much. Let Mike Hughes take that job, and certainly McCaffrey would then be more fresh for um, for offense, which you know obviously you want to use him more as you did spend a top ten pick on him. So I, I think Hughes is definitely. Uh, an intriguing option there as well at at, uh, at quarterback or at the cornerback I'm sorry I was, I was thinking about quarterbacks and had that on my mind but cornerback Mike Hughes so but again a lot, lot of options they can go with and we'll certainly get more into that as the weeks go on and obviously free agency is going to clear things up a little bit and really make the mock drafts tighten up a little bit so to speak and we'll know like what they want to go obviously they're fun to do now because it just gives you an idea of team needs and how different people value people that's why doing these daily mock drafts is interesting for me too because i get to tinker with different mock drafts i've mostly been using matt miller's of bleacher report but i've also tried fan speaks a little bit and you, you could definitely tell there's definitely a variation in terms of the player value and where people rank the different prospects. Um, if you've ever used the uh, Fanspeak app, it's uh, it's a very – if you haven't, what it is is you can go in, pick any team, mock for a certain, certain number of rounds. You could pick whichever – there's a multitude of draft boards you could pick from. Uh, you could also pick a certain side as far as team needs go. And you could also use – there's two different types of difficulty as well. One, they call it the classic, and then the other is difficult. The main difference is the difficult setting means that players aren't going to fall as far as normal. And as we know, you're always going to see some prospects fall lower than what we expected because of all the boards we see in the media. Um, so it really lets you tinker a little bit. And see the different values. Like one board, I've been able to grab a guy like Nathan Shepard, who I'm a big fan of out of Fort Hayes State, in like the second round. Whereas other boards, he's ranked so low, I'm able to get him in the seventh round. So it's a, it's a really wide range, but it's really interesting. And obviously, it's a fun exercise, and it lets fans see... Again, the value of players and more, more so just team needs. So, but again, in a couple of weeks, once free agency comes, it'll clear things up a little bit, and uh, the mock drafts will become a little easier to figure out. And again, being with the daily mock draft, I'll be able to share some of them with you as you know the weeks go by and we do more of these podcasts and these draft prospects. So. So with that, um, we'll wrap things up here. Again, really, really sorry about the lack of content or no content for so long. But we're back. We're going to try to get things going here again. And really appreciate you guys sticking around if you have. Or if you're new, welcome. And hope you guys stick around. Uh, it'll be a fun journey as we start a new offseason with the Carolina Panthers. And again, want to... Thank everybody at the Locked On Network for all the great work they do. Uh, David Locke, 
the main guy here does fantastic work and of course a couple shout outs to some of the other guys here at the locked on network that i enjoy um, john ledyard you know speaking of nfl draft you got to check out the locked on nfl draft podcast with john ledyard and trevor sikama because they just do fantastic work just getting you guys covered as far as team needs because they're going through all the team needs so you can go and get their thoughts on the panthers and just giving you a great analysis on all the prospects and where they could land so it's a great time so thanks so much for coming back to the podcast and joining me it's it's been fun to get back in it i've definitely rambled a lot here but again appreciate you guys sticking through it here if you've made it to the end i really do appreciate it so with that we'll we'll wrap things up here and we'll see you next time right here keep it locked on the locked on panthers podcast until then bill Rossetti saying take care my friends if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.